Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today and want to give a very warm welcome to Anthony Kirby, who's joining us to discuss his 15 years of experience in working in and developing marketing and sales strategies for coaches, consultants, and professional services. He's worked with over a thousand individuals and business owners to help them refine their direct response marketing and sales conversion strategies. And in the last two years alone, he's helped bring in an extra $200 million in additional revenue for his clients. He's consulted with both smaller teams as well as household name brands and insists that regardless of the size of your company, the strategy is the same. Anthony shares his passion for helping businesses develop simple sales processes and marketing strategies in his podcast, Hashtag Difference Maker. Today, we're going to talk about why the marketing offers you may be hoping people respond to just don't convert from Anthony's many years of experience and expertise. We'll learn what has worked from Anthony's experience, what maybe could be avoided if you're doing this yourself, and where many people are missing the mark. Anthony, I am totally psyched to be talking with you as this is an area I have so much interest in and learning more about, and I know our listeners do as well. So welcome and looking forward to chatting. Likewise, and what a great introduction. And I've got to say that you have got the best podcast slash radio voice I think I've ever heard. Like, it's so perfect. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow, I really want to listen to this. I'm like, hang on, just talking about me. <laughs> well, thank you. There for a moment. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. My mom and dad will be so proud. They would be. Yes. As would your English teacher for your enunciation oh. of words. Mine, probably not so much. Well, you know, you have a little bit more of a, a special accent. I do. I'm a little yes. bit. Yes. So do you want to tell a little bit more about yourself, why you have that special accent because of where you're calling in yeah. from, um, some more about your background, what you've been doing, what got you to where you're at today? Absolutely. And uh, yeah, look, it's great to be here. And I really, really hope. And, I, and first of all, I just want to say, get a pen and paper because people always listen to this stuff and then they go, oh, I really want to write that thing down. And then they forget. And then. I really want people to take this stuff away and go and do it because it's useless listening to podcasts unless you take action. So uh, that's my first thing. But as a bit of a background, I'm calling in from Brisbane, Australia. Uh, it's, it is the middle of summer here and it is hot. Like it is, I think it's about like 100 degrees outside right now or 30, 36 degrees Celsius for those of you in the Celsius world. Um, my background, as you mentioned, I spent the last 15 years sort of honing my craft in the corporate space and, and then on my own for the last four years in my own business. And we've been really, really fortunate to uh, work with some amazing brands. Um, I won't be like every other person who names names because I respect the privacy of all my clients. Um, but we've got some amazing results. We've done some great things. We've had lots and lots of fun along the way. I've been really fortunate to travel the world doing this and I've spoken in many countries. In fact, uh, I got an email yesterday I've got a travel app that I use, which kind of updates every time that I travel somewhere. And we've done 117,000 kilometers in the last 12 months and visited 26 different cities. So that was pretty cool to see that stat. Um, really what led me here though, which I suppose is the important thing and it's the biggest message I want to get across is um, some years ago, I'm not that old, but when I was 19, 
um, I actually sat next to my dad as he died. And it was a really kind of surreal moment and it still shapes what I do every day. And what really struck me about my dad when he died was that he was 48 years old. He had worked hard his whole life, exactly as we're told to when we come through our education system and so on. He'd done everything right by the book. And uh, as I was sitting there with him, as a 19-year-old, he, he just kept apologizing to me. And this is a guy that I'd looked up to my whole life. He's, you know, he's my mentor. He's my dad. He's my best mate. And he said, I'm really sorry that I'm not going to be there for your 21st birthday. Um, I'm sorry I'm not going to see your kids. And I was like, wow. And, and, it, and it, bring, it makes me get goosebumps literally right now because I saw a guy die with more dreams in his mind than memories in his heart. And uh, I think one of my biggest missions, yes, I can teach marketing. Yes, I can show you how to convert more sales, but why? You know, at the end of the day, the business is a vehicle for you. And sales is a vehicle for some freedom that you're, you're looking to achieve, whether that's travel, time with your kids, health, whatever it might be for you individually. And so the biggest thing I want people to take away is that if you focus on really keeping at the forefront of your mind why you're in business, not, not for money, not for clients, not all of that stuff that we think it is, but like, what is it really? If you keep that at the forefront of your mind, it becomes a lot easier to make offers that are really authentic. And I know that's a bit of a buzzword right now. Um, but it's, it's much easier to convert your market when they understand why you're doing it and they resonate with you and why you're in the world rather than why your business is in the world. So that's where I just want to start off with my background because that's, um, that's what I'm really, really passionate about is getting people in home for time for dinner with their kids without them sitting at the dinner table worrying about the tax bill or the next invoice or the client who didn't call back today. Like I just want people to go home and relax and be present with their families and have fun and enjoy their life again. So I think there's so many of us that have forgotten that along the journey because we get so caught up in everything that's going on in the world. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that makes absolute sense. And it's fantastic that you actually have a passion that's driving you and helping you help others find their own passion behind what they're doing really is yeah. what you're saying. And, you know, when I was reading what you wanted to talk about when we were first talking about this and you said, you know, calls to action, basically offers yeah. that aren't converting. Um, you know, that's something that is the very essence of every single piece of any sort of marketing practice, whether it's PR, advertising of, of any sort. At the end of the day, you want someone to do an action. And if you don't, and you're not asking someone for that sale, for that purchase, to look at that website, to download the ebook, to do whatever that might be, there's really no point to be doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you go about that? What is the approach? What are some of the best practices? And enlighten us. Yeah, for sure. Let me start off with what is probably the known fact of this, which is that 3% of people in the market are ready to buy right now. All right, that's generally the agreed rule. I don't know. Probably someone made it up. Ron Burgundy or someone, you know, probably made it up. Great you, Anchorman oh, reference actually, anyone who hasn't actually, watched Anchorman. <laughs> actually, I think it's Chet Holmes um, who right. did research for that, or at least he publicized it and with his work with Tony Robbins. That's where that all came out with that floor and ceiling and the campaign, I think. Right. So, so yeah, if, so if we think about the market in that regard, if we think about it, there's a hundred people that you can talk to three of them are ready to press the button and buy something from you or somebody else in your marketplace, which leaves 97% of the market who aren't quite there yet. 
Now, what most business owners do that I speak to, and I don't know, you might be guilty of this if you're listening to this, is that we create offers that are conversion offers at the front end. So they say things like, download my thing, click this thing, that, like grab my book, come to my event, you know, whatever it might be, join my coaching program. And that works for a very small percentage. And then the rest of the market kind of sits there going, yeah, we're not there yet. So what about us? And as business owners, it's very easy for us to be focused on the revenue, focused on the result, of course, because again, that's what we're conditioned to do is be the, be the provider. And so we kind of roll forward all the time saying, geez, I need more leads. I just need more leads. If I could get more leads, I can get more sales. And this is the kind of mentality that a lot of people have. And a classic example of this is somebody who goes to the market and completes a PR campaign, for example. They get all this traffic. They get all this website click, this website action. They get some opt-ins and they go, geez, this is fantastic. But they're looking at the one side of the coin and they're not seeing the constraint of what is left on the table. And so the way that I always work with businesses is we look at their, and it's literally a piece of paper, we say, right, if someone's ready to buy, that's fine. We take care of that. That's, that's going to happen. We don't really need to worry too much about that. They, they're going to drop over the line because that's where they're at in the, in the buying process. What about if we take a step before that? If we were to sit down with this piece of paper and write down where a client is today, like let's call it point A, and where do they want to be is point B, which in our case is the purchase or the, or the result of that purchase more specifically, the outcome. Um, what, what would all those little micro steps be between those points? So for example, if, if someone right now is, um, struggling to lose weight, okay, it's such a massive industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, probably a trillion dollar industry now. And you know, someone's walking down the street, chewing on a Big Mac burger and they're kind of like, geez, life's good. The sun's shining. They're chewing this burger. Then all of a sudden they fall to the ground and they've got a pain in their chest they just became what we refer to in the marketing world as problem aware. Before that, they didn't have a clue. And so there's, there's so many people in the market who know something's not quite right, but they don't yet know that you exist. They don't yet know what the solution is. They don't yet even understand what the hell's going on for them. They're just in pain. They've got this thing that's going on. They're experiencing a symptom. And so if we map that and we say, right, what is that symptom? And how do we fix the problem for them before they buy that's the key, all right? And we do that for each step of that journey. So for example, in that example of the, the person eating the Big Mac burger, not that I'm endorsing McDonald's or anything, they then lie on the floor saying, right, I've got a problem here. This is how I'm feeling. So then someone comes up and asks them some questions and says, geez, are you all right? I saw that you just fell over. How are you feeling? Are you, are you, are you okay? And they stabilize the symptoms by asking some good questions and giving some information. For example, the bystander might say, I think you might be having a heart attack, so let's call you an ambulance. Now what's happened is the prospect, this is the person who's on the ground, is the prospect in this example. Very strange example, but it works. <laughs> okay. Um, is now solution aware. Because they're saying, all right, well, what are my solutions here? I could lie on the pavement all day. That might work and the pain might go away and I can stand up and continue on home. Or somebody could call me an ambulance or I could drive myself to the hospital. So they come up with all these solutions in their mind. And this is when they start to look into the market. This is when they start to touch your world. This is when they visit your website and they start to say, what can I do to fix this problem? So then if we can craft a solution 
to hold them in that part of the process, then again, that's building the trust and building the authority through that part of the process. The next part after that is that they then say, right, okay, well, I know what the solutions are and I know what solution I want to go after. So now who can do this for me? And this is where they become product aware. All right. And if you want to read further into this, by the way, amazing book, you probably can get it now. I'm pretty sure someone's reprinting it by now, um, which is uh, Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. He first made this five levels of customer awareness famous back in like 1940 something. So this is not new stuff. This has been around for a very long time and it won't ever change because this is how we work as humans. So once we become kind of product aware, we say, right, the solution is I want to get in an ambulance. Now who can get me the ambulance? Like what kind of ambulances are there? Right. And in Australia, we only have one. It's called the ambulance service. I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but if there was multiple solutions, that's when it would come down to your offer. All right. So then it's going to be like, well, there's two solutions I like, which one's got the best offer for me, which takes you all the way to the other end of awareness, which is where they want to make the choice. Okay. Okay. And so that's where most people start there and they miss out all the other stuff. Whereas if you could sit down and say, right, how can I turn up in the marketplace and give value without freaking out about the fact that you've got competitors and people might see your information and all that sort of rubbish that we worry about. How can I go to the market and give all of this value so that people understand that I can solve their problem right now and in the future. And when we do that, that's when we see more opt-ins, stronger retention, better list management, great nurture sequences, the ability to go to the market and add value without just pitching and smacking them over the head with a brick. And then when, when they are ready to buy, they come to you instead of you having to keep going to them. And that's the important distinction. So we want to create this tribe of people who are running towards you saying, let me buy your stuff rather than you having to go out to the market and wave your flag and say, Hey, I'm over here. Hey, hello. Here's my discount because I need some attention right now, which is a really, it's a losing race. You know, you're in a race to the bottom. There's no differentiation. And that's really what, most people are missing. And so my exercise, and I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but it's such an important point. I get very passionate about this stuff is get yourself a sheet of paper and write down what is everything your client would have to learn in order to do the thing that you do. And then start teaching them that. No different to podcasting, no different to anything else. Are you at the very beginning, are you painting a picture and letting them see the pain? Like actually helping them identify that they're in pain or are you directing this to someone who already is cognizant that they have pain? Well, you can do both. So if someone has not yet fallen on the pavement, so to speak, to use the same analogy, if someone's just bought the burger and they're walking down the street, they are unaware. So it's, and this is the pro it's very, very, very difficult to make them feel like they've got a problem. And that's the hardest part of marketing. In fact, that's where the people get the really big bucks when they write good copy. And they create these amazing adverts or they create a product like Steve Jobs with the iPhone or the iPod more specifically. You know, people didn't know what they didn't know. And then he suddenly came out and made us think we had a problem. And he said, you know, when you're walking along the street and you got that bloody CD player hitting your hip while you're trying to run and it falls on the floor and your CD scratched and blah, 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 blah. What about this little thing here you can have and it's got thousands of songs on it and everyone went, wow, we need it. That was a great example of someone being completely unaware and being forced into awareness. Sure. So it's very tricky to do that. 
However, if someone is problem aware, which is mostly the case if we have a business, because we're usually solving a problem, uh, what you need to do is, is associate with that problem, not tell them what the problem is. They already know they've got it, but show them how to solve it. So in the case of, you know, someone who wants to get fit, you wouldn't say, hey, come and join the gym. You'd say, have you thought about doing this one little thing for the next seven days, like drink more water? And then someone starts to drink more water. What happens in seven days time, Stacey? They're going to be automatically losing a little bit of weight because they're more hydrated and feeling better and their skin's going to be glowing. And they're going to feel energized and they're yeah. going to go, oh, that worked. I wonder what's next. Because what you're doing as you take people through this journey is you're building their confidence and you're building their own skill base. Right. So then they feel confident. So then they make the choice by saying, I've done all of this on my own, but you're the one that supported me. So I'm going to come to you for the next step that I'm not sure on. Sure. And then that's really what you're doing is establishing expertise in an area and making sure that you're sharing the fact that you have this expertise without shoving it down their throats. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how do you go about it? What's the best way? So what would you do as a brand manager? How would you tackle this? Yeah. If, so if I was sitting with a client, um, I would literally get a piece of paper. It's the magic paper. You know, you know, it's funny. It's so bizarre. So many people go like, what, is that it? I'm like, yeah, because that's where you have to start. Because I can go in and sell you some big fancy thing and we can draw it on a whiteboard and do a 74-page pitch deck about what we need to do. Or we could just get a whiteboard and start drawing some pictures and Perfect. just map it. And literally, this is how you do it. So you, th- you can almost reverse engineer it. So the first question is, what's the, what's the thing we want the prospect to do before they buy? So that might be that you need to get money. Like in a coaching sense, if you're a coach, consultant, agency, you probably need to get in a room or on a phone call with somebody. Okay. So that's the, the step immediately before you take their money. All right. So in order to get someone on the phone, what do they need to believe? So that's the next step. So then we're reversing this process. And then if we look at where they are and where we want them to be, and we can pull together those steps by saying, right, what would be the next thing I'd have to learn? What about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? Mm-hmm. So that eventually it just leads them to that natural conclusion of that process. And literally, this is, this is not hard. This is a piece of paper. This is a whiteboard with you and your team sitting around a table. This is at a cafe with a cup of coffee. And it sounds stupid to say this. I did this exercise once with a business owner in a cafe on a napkin, like literally, I mean, you know how big a napkin is, right? It works. It's a piece of paper. This guy left that meeting. He implemented the thing that we discussed literally the next day. He did the exact thing that I told him using this exact method. He added $150,000 to his business. And he was out there telling me, Kirby, I need more staff. Kirby, I need to process more of this stuff. Kirby, I need to do this. I need to be cheaper. I need to have more products. I'm like, no, You do not. You need to simplify what you do and you need to do it well. And this is a massive thing in the business right now. Everyone wants to do more. More, 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 more. And and so to do it well and to simplify and not do more, 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 Mm -hmm. you're basically taking the building blocks you already have and you're just maybe restructuring them and putting them in a sequence that's going to lead to that sales closure success that you're looking for. Yeah, a conversion of existing prospects. Okay. So and, coming back to the hundred people that we yep. started with that, 
Now, instead of get, you still might get the three deals, but also now you might have 30 or 40 people within the remaining 97 who are like, geez, we like this company. They're good. They give lots of value. And that's where you start to get them indoctrinated into your world. That's what you want. And then as they're getting indoctrinated into your world, are you continually touching them? Are you following up? You've gotten them to, you know, in the backwards napkin, backwards pieces of paper, you know, scenario that you're talking about, really that, that very first step is that purchase most likely of whatever backwards here. And then, you know, the step before you said as a coach in the room or on a call, there is some filler in between that time too, because it's not necessarily that people are, hell bent on signing on, at least for me, they're not always like, I don't get off the phone and they're not like, we're on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It might take a little bit more follow-up. Is there anything there that can be better built upon with call to actions and, Mm -hmm. and conversions there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm going to switch slightly from marketing to sales conversion right now. Um, And I'm going to literally give you the questions that I ask. And this is the same question that I give to all of my clients and it works really well. So, feel free to go and borrow this and use it in your own businesses. Um, you don't have to like credit me or anything. Just go do it and make money and do some good in the world. So uh, I always ask the client. So if it was you and I, Stacey, and we, you know, we were having the conversation and I'd say, Stacey, what's the right next step for you? And you'd tell me, you'd say, well, you know, Kirby, I need to go and think about this or I need to go and speak to my hubby or whatever it might be. And I'd say, okay, no worries. So when do you think it would be a good time for us to talk again? And literally, like, there's no magic to this stuff. We just forget the basics. We think that there's some kind of bullet that we can build where it's like, ah, we've got this magic powder. And if we just sprinkle enough of it on this prospect, something magical is going to happen and we'll get a sale. Right. And you know what? It doesn't exist. I know the gurus probably want you to believe that it does. And all the other people in the world who are selling the magic powder, there ain't no magic Kool-Aid that people drink that makes a better business. There are basic communications with your client, basic follow-ups and not being bloody lazy. So many people classic right now is the Facebook advertising platform because it's so affordable. Every man and his dogs on there spending $5 a day on rubbish adverts, killing it for the rest of us. No, only joking. Um, But what they're doing is they're going after and they're saying, Direct offer, direct offer, direct offer, because they don't, they, they've got this opinion that it's beyond them to have a sales conversation now, or they're scared of having a sales conversation because they think it's hard and it's really not. The sales conversation is just, Hey prospect, tell me what's going on for you right now. And tell me what success would look like for you in X amount of time from now. That is literally a sales conversation. It doesn't have to be any more difficult than that. Well, you know, success for me, Stacey, would be that this podcast would go really well and, you know, we get lots of listeners and we get some new subscribers for you and blah, 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 blah. All right, well, how do we do that? Here's the steps we're going to take. And then you help them. I know this is a novel concept for a lot of people. We help the prospect without any expectation of money. <laughs> and guess what generally happens? People they give say, you money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's some kind of magic. I don't know. But people generally go, Wow, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. And the law of reciprocity kicks in and they say, what can we do to help you now? And you say, well, let's work together. And then it's up to you then to talk about whether your value is in the right place and you know, help the client with any sort of budget constraints and payment plans and be flexible in your approach 
to that end result with the client to help them get the result that you need for them. And a lot of this comes down to then also is phrasing coming up with ways of literally asking for the sale. Yeah. And that's the key piece that a lot of people might be missing with that step of sitting down, chatting, and then actually seeing the sales happen. Like here's a tough one. Hey, would Stacy, would you like my help with this? I mean, come on, like don't everyone fall over all at once. Cause I know that's a big statement. <laughs> that is the simplest close you'll ever hear. And is it, is it harsh? Is it, is it hard to ask that? Absolutely not. If you are in rapport with someone, you've spent time on a conversation with someone on the phone, on zoom, on Skype, in, in a meeting together at a restaurant, whatever. And you say, can I help you with this? What are they going to say? Yes. No, not yet. Right. Great. That's called clarity and clarity is important because you know what to say next. And you're not going to spin your wheels if they say no. Correct. Yeah. And, and also I think, I don't know if you find this Stacey and if you've observed this in your business and in your dealings, people take no so personally, like how dare they say no to me instead of seeing it as a learning opportunity and saying, why are you saying no to me? Like, let me understand why you're not, why you don't see me as the fit. Right. Because then it could be something so simple like, oh, Kirby, you talk too quick. You know, could be that. Oh, okay. Well, if I slowed down, would that work for you? Yes. All right. No worries. Let's do that. Or Kirby, we just don't like you because you're enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you be enthusiastic? You're making my leadership feel terrible. Um, So look, I think asking the question is a massive learning there for everybody and taking the nod is really constructive. Um, I always just say no means not yet. You just haven't done enough to demonstrate value or you haven't met them where they are in their mind. Right. That's okay. it. Yeah. That's simple enough. Really so it, it, you said before that this is a simple idea and a simple way to put into effect and you are right. Yeah. But people definitely make it a lot harder. I know I do. Should I tell you what's funny about this, Stacey? I don't know how many people will listen to this show. I assume there's going to be a few, right? At least a few. Yeah. And look, if you don't go and get that piece of paper and do this exercise, just purely to understand your client journey more, like you got rocks in your head because this is the simplest business growth strategy in the world. And you don't need to go and spend more money on it. It's literally pen, paper, 10 minute exercise, make more money. That's it. Like it's that simple. The magic genie in the bottle. Yeah. But you know, like, the genie's always been released. It's been right. around for hundreds of years. We just forgot it because we get caught up in this technical babble crap. You know, you've covered 10 minutes. That's all you need to do. You've said that what the strategy is, you've laid it out. Step one, step two, right. Get from point A to point Z and fill in the blanks along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this something that you think is better for a team to do together or a business to do by themselves or to do with just a friend and just so that you have a sounding board or what's the best way to approach? Uh, Obviously depends on the business size first, Mm -hmm. of course, in examples where we've done this in a corporate environment with teams of up to a hundred people or 160 people in some examples, what we do is we get everyone to do their own version and then we compare them because that's also a really interesting uh, litmus test which demonstrates how well your team is aligned to the outcome of the business. Okay. So it almost becomes a separate exercise that stems from that. Because if you've got, you know, three or four 
managers or team leaders or, or team reports in a room and you give them all a piece of paper and you say, write down all the steps you think our clients have to learn or understand before they can buy from us. And you then come together and you whiteboard it or you, you, you know, you chart it out on a wall or a window or a piece of glass or whatever. And oftentimes you see everyone going, Oh, this is getting awkward. Cause you know, we should probably know this stuff. We've been doing it for X amount of years. You know, we should be stronger at this. And what generally ends up happening is they realize that when they come into alignment and agree on one path for the client, and then they all start to talk that language, they all start to tell that story all start to deliver that to the marketplace. Guess what happens? More money. For everyone. <laughs> sales convert because Plus. everyone's talking the same language. Plus they're all on the same page then. Correct. Um, let's switch that to the other side of the coin though. If someone's starting a business or they're solopreneur or a very small team, two or three staff, sit down and do this exercise. If it's day one for you in your business, if it's not even day one, if, if, if in two weeks you're going to go into your office and quit your job and you're going to tell your boss to shove it up his bum bum and, and uh, you're going to go and run on your own and say, I'm going to take on the world. Well, good on you, but go do this exercise so that in two weeks time, when you go and do that, you can be in your market like with precision in your client's mind as a newbie in the market you don't need to be a guru. You don't need to have 600 million followers on Facebook. You got to tell the market that you understand their problem better than they understand it themselves. If you are about to start your business or if you are new in your business, please take the time to do this because if you go to the doctor with a sore throat, the doctor will ask you questions and you'll trust the doctor because you assume that they know more about it than you because they can ask you better quality questions. Right. So there's a great quote by Wyatt Woodsmall. The quote goes something like, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm terrible with my memory. It's basically when you can explain the client's problem to them better than they can explain it to themselves, they will automatically assume that you have the solution. Of course, because you have this whole level of expertise that's being yeah. given to you and yeah. people always doubt themselves. And one of the main reasons they're hiring on agencies and experts to come on board is oftentimes to help them understand what is wrong, even if they already have the solution. Absolutely. And to take this one step further, because I know that so many people who listen to this would be like, Oh, but I'm not ready for that. I'm not big enough for that. And you got this thing called imposter syndrome where you think you're like a fraud in the marketplace and you get all scared. Um, just remember this, you only need to know one more thing than the person that you help. Yeah. Cause that's the thing they want solved. You don't have to be the wealth. You don't have to be the Oracle. You don't have to be bloody Yoda. You just got to be one step ahead of where your client is in the journey. And that will still be helpful to them. Or even skills. Yeah, or even just really good at asking questions to help them actually find where that journey is. Because sometimes your client just needs a sounding board to be able to talk to and hear things back from. And also not to feel like they're alone because they're making big decisions that are scary and they might want someone to hold their hand. Absolutely. And that's okay. And one of the other things I say a lot is that um, you need to eat every week in business. So let me just explain real briefly what I mean by that. Not Everyone a hamburger, goes to the, right? Not yeah, well, McDonald's. Depends. McDonald's is okay if you just want it once in a month or whatever. Okay. But don't eat it every day, people. It's probably not good for you. Okay. Um, please, McDonald's, do not sue me for that statement. I did mean no malice. <laughs> um, love you, Big Macs. Uh, <laughs> um, when, I forget where I was going with that point now. It's crazy. See what happens when you get me up in the morning in Australia. I'm just full of energy. I've had my breakfast. Just ready to go. Um, when people 
go to the market, they want to make all their sales at once, like the squirrel collecting the nuts before winter. All right. What we need to do is recognize that your clients are going to buy all year long. Generally speaking, even if they're seasonal trends, of course, they're still going to be buying. So what you have to do is just respect where they might be in their journey, have enough patience to accept that you might sell to them in a month instead of in a week. And once you've shifted your mindset and you can soften your approach in that, again, that's going to help your conversion because the client's going to feel respected. And I love that you took me to that point with that statement that you made that sometimes people just need someone to hold their hand. Yeah, it helps a lot. Reassurance really is great. And especially if you're a client, I think, who is at a decision-making level, you're making decisions that whether you own the business or whether you report into someone above you, a board of directors or, you know, someone in the C-suite or your fellow members of the C-suite, you don't want to necessarily come in with something that hasn't been you know, a little bit felt around to make sure that it's a solid idea that people aren't going to laugh at or yeah. doubt. So Absolutely. it all helps. Absolutely. Okay. So is there any category, any brand, any marketer, any individual where this wouldn't work for? No, I think but, if you sell to somebody, this will work for everybody. Think about it from a psychology perspective. Is everybody ready to buy? No. Are there some people who don't even know they need to buy? Yes. So this will work regardless of what you sell in the world. Um, I mean, I, I've, got, I've got clients as diverse as people who sell apples and oranges and pears, literally fruit shops. I've got food stores. I've got physiotherapists. I've got coaches. We've got massive corporations that we work with. I'm talking like literally brands that everyone's probably got sitting on their desktop. So this works at every single level. And I don't exaggerate that point. If you can think through this journey, like if someone wants to come and buy fresh fruit and vegetables, let me use this example just to illustrate how crazy this point is. People think, yeah, it's consumable. They just come in when they need some bananas. Not true. Why are they coming in? to buy bananas because they want to feed their family nutritious food. Why do they want to feed their family nutritious food? Be step it back. Well, probably because somewhere in the past, they might've been obese. They might've had someone else in the family who had some health problems, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. Okay. When you go to the market, even as a fruit and vegetable supplier, you've got your little corner store in the city, you know, you're turning over $200,000 a year and you go to Facebook and you say, Hey, I just want to give you guys five recipes that work well for my family. From my family business to your family so you can eat better, I just wanna give you these five recipes. And these might be people who don't buy from you, but you go and show that to your local community by the way of a sponsored ad. And people download your free recipes from your website and they start to make that recipe. Now suddenly they've got brand awareness of who you are and the fact that you do talk about fresh quality and you do support the local farmers and so on and so forth. That is the exact same thing in motion as it would be for Nike or Apple or any of those brands. So it works at every level. I mean, it really even works if you want to take it down to the simplest level of relationships. You're not going to go out to the girl or the guy down the street and ask them to marry you before you've actually done all those steps in between to lead them up to that ask overall. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I normally talk about this. I call it the bar test. 
So if you're going to, actually, this is a good point to make. So I'll make it. So again, thank you for leading me there, Stacey. What a great sure. host. Um, when, you, when you create an offer, and I say that with, you know, inverted commas um, or hy- hy- hypothesis. That's the one, yeah. Um, because this may or may not relate to you. But when you create an offer and you relate it to the bar test, so the bar test is if we walked into a bar and we said to a lady or a man, hey, you look great, let's go home together. Maybe one in a thousand would say, yeah, let's go because of the modern age that we're in, you know, Tinder and all that stuff. Fantastic. It could be Um, the 3%. You don't know. There you go. Right. The three in a hundred that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, Chances are though, you're either going to get a drink thrown on your head or a slap in the face or maybe a bit of both. Okay. So instead think about your offer like, all right, well, how would we approach the female or male if we just wanted to gain some attention to make some eye contact? How would we do that? And that's how you need to think about your marketing and you need to step people through the dating process until you get married. It's, it's such a good, such a good point. And, it, and it's such a good analogy because everyone understands it because we've all been there. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I've experienced, I think, everything that you've described because there are people who will just walk up and say that. Yeah. And yeah. it does not work out well. No, and welcome to modern marketing, right? Right. Where, where the bar to entry is so low that everybody can walk into the bar and ask the question and not be worried about the response because they're just going through another $5 at the kitty. And all of this really transcribes across digital, across traditional advertising, across any sort of conversation you're having with your customer base. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And even, off, um, you know, everyone's forgotten this term called direct mail. Because everyone's so like fixated in like, let's do a Facebook ad or a Google AdWords campaign because it sounds good and it's like buzzwordy. But you know what? How often have you written a letter or a postcard to a client that is already in your world and said, hi, I was just thinking about you. I saw this article in the newspaper. I just thought I'd clip it out because it was kind of referencing something we talked about. Hope you're well. Like how, when was the last time you did that? When was the last time you picked up the phone and spoke to the last 10 customers who transacted and said, hey, we just love having you in our world. And outside of that, how's it going for you? Like very few businesses have done that, even big businesses. Because again, we're fixated on the next level. We're fixated on the next lead, the next kill. As right. harsh as that sounds, you know, that's, that's the business we're in now. Well, it turns it into, instead of being, you know, what you started talking about at the beginning of this podcast of, you know, there's a benefit of giving it away. There's a benefit of making people feel like they actually want to give you more because they receive so much value and benefit from you. And you have that energy exchange going back and forth and back and forth where there's actually growth and value there versus it just being one-sided and a pull of a negative force where you feel like your soul's being sucked away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, to, to take that to a, a different level, look at the second largest search engine in the world right now is YouTube. All right. So if your prospect has a problem, chances are that if they had enough time and enough inclination to go and stitch the puzzle together, they could go to YouTube and find 90% of what you teach probably or what you do, but they probably can't do it. So I always have this thought of people don't always pay you for information, but they will always pay you for implementation. Right. 
And what I mean by that is either for you to do it for them or for you to guide them through it. Always, because that's where they get stuck because they don't have the 10 years of experience. They've got the, they understand it. They might understand on the theoretical side, they might have a notepad full of notes from YouTube videos on how to use Google AdWords or how to Photoshop a, a picture of a horse under a car or something ridiculous. But the person who's been in Photoshop and touched all the buttons for the last 10 years and knows how to do all those things and fade the brush and all that stuff, you can tell I'm a Photoshop expert with that very technical assessment. <laughs> um, you know, you could go and pay someone to do that in the implementation aspect and it would save you the time and the money and the effort and the heartache. It doesn't mean you can't do it. And this is the same thing with our prospects. A lot of the time they understand it. And, and, and oftentimes they've researched the product more than you know. They might know more about a single product than you know about your product because you've got a whole range to remember. So don't, don't, you know, don't forget that people will always pay to have your assistance. That's generally what they're paying you for. Right. They're paying you in order to not have to spend the energy and time to do it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if they think they could do it better sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting is a classic example of that, you know, like, podcast editing. You could sit there and edit your podcast. You could put this episode together. We've only made about three or four mistakes. Yep. You know? So you could probably easily go and put that into GarageBand or Audacity or Pro Tools or whatever it is and chop the little bits out and make it sound good. Or you could not mess around with it and just give it to someone who does that every single day. And then you could focus more on interviewing guests. Correct. And that, exactly is, what I that is what I choose to do. Yeah. 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 Exactly yeah. the same. Okay. Is there any other advice you want to leave our listeners with today? Because you've been plentiful with ideas. The one thing I want to leave everyone with, and it's a very simple one. I've got, the, I've got one core value in my business, which is always leave everybody better than you find them. So whatever you're going to go and do after you listen to this show, whether you implement or not, at least go into the world and ask someone how their day is going open a door for somebody, buy someone a coffee, listen to somebody in their full presence without your phone beeping. Do something that's going to make someone else feel great about their day because then they'll go and do it to somebody else. And I think that's really right now. What we need more of in the world is, is nice. We need more leadership. We need more people to step up and say, you know what? The world is not a bad place, regardless of what the newspapers and the, and the tabloids and, and TV stations would like us to believe. Uh, you know, so go and spread some good and be a difference maker, as I would call it, and make sure you leave everyone in your world better than you find them in the next 24 hours and beyond. I'd love it if you do it every day, but just, you know, just for today, just make sure you're aware of that in your, in your world. Well, that falls absolutely into your core belief of providing expertise and help and assistance without expecting anything in return as well. Yeah. I mean, your background, you were working for other companies doing sales and you had a variety, quite a variety of different companies that you worked for that led you in and not over that massive amount of time before you started your coaching business. And that's really impressive. Yeah. And, and look, coaching is such, it's, it's not, I don't really actually coach anyone now. I'm more trying them on this stuff. Right. And then there's a bit of coaching if they want like a bit of support. Well, when I say training, coaching, the yeah, same, the seminars. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, again, all stemming back from my dad's death, yeah. life is short. Right. You know, when, my, when my son was born, when he was six months old, I, I was like, I'm out of corporate. 
I got to spend more time with my kids. And look, I haven't always got it right. Um, you know, I got sucked into the vortex of running my own business and traveling the world and all that stuff. And I missed out on a few things, but you know, I've got the balance right now and I, I really enjoy it. And, uh, I love what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm deeply passionate about helping people. Right. And, uh, right now I just feel like the best kept secret in the world. Like I, I, I firmly believe I was in Miami a couple of weeks ago, actually with, um, with a mastermind and I, and everyone's like, you know, so much stuff about this. Like how, how are you not bigger? And I said, it's not about that for me. I don't want to be like, if I end up on a stage with, you know, the greats, fantastic. But more important to me is when I get a message like yesterday morning, I got a message from someone saying, Hey, um, I just want you to know that I've been able to spend the last year and a half with my kids because of the stuff you taught us. Right. And I was like, wow, that's so, so amazing for me. Cause at the end of the day, you don't remember how much money you made. You don't remember how many days you went traveling around the world and speaking on stages. You remember like, you know what? Did I see my kid playing in the sand pit? You know, like I've been there. I've seen that in my dad. My dad taught me the greatest lesson I could ever learn in life by seeing, by being around him in his dying days. It was the greatest lesson I'll ever get. And I, and I firmly actually believe that he died because the universe or whatever you believe in, I, re I reckon they sacrificed my father. It sounds really weird to say this, mm -hmm. but I actually believe they sacrificed or he sacrificed his life so that I could do what I'm doing right now and impact the world in a bigger way. That's awesome. Because if he didn't die, I wouldn't have left the UK. Right. I would have still been there doing my job. I wouldn't even have known this world existed because you just, it's just not a part of life over there. Right. And if he, you know, so I'm super, every day I'm grateful in, in the weirdest possible way that we went through that together. And um, I see it as such a positive that he passed away. And I know he's, you know, I know he'd be in a better place, whatever that looks like on the other side. We don't know, but um, what I do know is that he has led me on a path of self-discovery and helping others that I don't think can be ignored in my lifetime. And I don't think it'll be forgotten after I'm gone either. That's really powerful. So if someone wants to contact you, if they want to learn more, I bet you have something that they could download or contact or look at. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I'm, I'm a massive giver of value, as you've probably ascertained from this conversation. Uh, so if you go to anthonykirby.com, on that website, there is a plethora, what a great word, a plethora of guides, blogs, videos, trainings. Uh, you can actually get a free downloadable copy digital file of my best-selling book, which is 12 chapters of like marketing gold, which covers actually a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. It tells you how to write sales letters that convert. It talks about Facebook ads and custom audiences and all of the stuff that is really relevant right now. And it's completely free on my website, anthonykirby.com. And say good day to me on social media. I love talking to people, as you can tell. Um, and there's nothing that lights me up more than hearing that I've made a difference. So if I've made a difference for you, send me a message and say, hey, Kerry, you, you talk real quick, but you made a difference. So happy days. And, and I'd love to uh, hear that feedback because it's really, really important. And I'm sure Stacey would love to hear it about the show too because she does a great job putting this together for you guys. You're so kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. But now I know that I'm about to whip out a piece of paper after we end this podcast and start drawing on it myself. So that Good. will be a little activity that I have because I know that there are 
many things that we can always do to improve upon for our agency. And, you know, you really have given a lot of really solid advice and a lot of things that we can take action on. And all of the listeners, I am sure, feel the same way. So thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Stacey. Of course. Have a great day. I will. You too.